With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Live is right. Um, and un- undead maybe even on All Hallows Eve. It's a, it's a Halloween night edition of the 5-Minute Major. Uh, this is your, your host who knows the least. This is Mason. And I'm... Joined tonight by uh, a, a mixed group of our normal people being Doubles. Doubles, how are you doing tonight? What do you want? What do, uh, usually your opinion somehow. That's, I guess, what we usually want out of you. Although we might have to revisit that. Uh, doubles is as um, surly as usual, as you can hear already. Um, and joined by Doubles, we have Mike Berg. How are you doing, Bergie? Oh, I'm just doing patient tonight. I stole all my kids' candy. I was gonna ask uh, a percentage. <laughs> what's what's your what's your kid candy tax? How well, Halloween is a perfect opportunity to keep to teach your children about uh, taxes. So fifteen percent goes to daddy. Oh, and you got like two kids. So that's thirty <laughs> percent. They don't know right. the difference. That's fine. And then a special guest tonight, Seth Stowes. How are you doing? This Stowes is for you. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be on tonight, talking about the knowledge of hockey. Vast, oh, oh, after talking to these Yahoos, it's going to be way vaster, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, we'll find out. I, I don't know. People have to let us It'll, know after they listen to it, if they keep listening to it after they find yeah. out that I'm a guest on it. <laughs> well, it'll be more colorful, if not the same scope as it was before. Um, speaking of scope, um, being, being the guy who doesn't know anything about this team, I, I do know a little bit and I'm, I'm shocked. Uh, we have, uh, the wild have three shutouts in a row. We're coming off a shutout against the stars four zero in that one. So it's not even like your typical wild shutout of, was it four zero? Somebody tell me if I was wrong. I'm sure you guys will, but, um, you got it right. wasn't your tip, wasn't your typical wild shutout of, you know, a half a goal against zero goals. Um, they're top of, or top or near top of the the league and offense. It's craziness, and this is the season that I'm not watching. I don't I don't, I don't get it. I'm I'm pissed. Um, but let's talk about it. So, Mike, um, what about what about the most recent game? Uh, the Stars shut out. How how big of a game was that? It was it was a really impressive game. Um, there are times when this team, uh, well, let, let's be clear, this fucking team will score a goal, uh, a huge goal against a, a rival like the Stars, and then they'll let the, then they'll let the other team, in this case, the fucking Stars, right back in the game, 30 <laughs> seconds later with a big goal, and they'll end up, um, it'll just turn into a, a, a fire train of a game where, you know, it ends up being like 5-4 to four and they lose. Um, so the fact that they were able to hold the lead for so long, and the fact that even though they generated almost no offense in the second period, they got like one shot on goal. Um, it, it was, it was on the one hand painful to watch, and and also at the same time kind of glorious because yeah, they were doing they were up to the usual thing where they 
and you know, giving up a lot of shots and not getting a lot of offense generated on their own behalf. But at the same time, you know, they're they're playing really solid defense, um, collapsing really well again uh, around Duby, and that uh, Dubnik was was kind of the last line. You know, Dubnik wasn't being relied upon to to steal the game. He was in the, in this game actually the last line defense. Uh, and then in the third period, they were able to open it up, which is something again that they don't usually get it. You know, really do all that offense. So in that respect, it, it was a very impressive win. That's incredible that they're not just you know, um, holding on to a lead and barely escaping without giving up four goals in the last uh, five minutes. So, uh, Seth, let's let's bring it over to you. Uh, were you able to see the game? And let's get let's get elbow deep in this cow. Um, what are you What are you liking about the team that that you're seeing so far, and especially anything you saw in the recent games? Well, I mean, a few things. I mean, obviously, three straight wins is always good. But not only three straight shutouts, but the team has scored thirteen. Uh, goals in those three games so I mean that's not something we saw in the previous years they just weren't scoring a ton of goals and and every single save that Dubnik or whoever was in net had was was crucial um you know and it's I mean it's five to nothing four to nothing four to nothing I mean these are impressive wins and and uh, to me I mean penalty kills have been impressive um Ewell Erickson Eck has come up and done a nice job the veterans have been solid. There isn't like a star. I mean, if you were to pick the, who's the star of the team so far, I guess Dubnik mm-hmm. fits into there. But other than that, I mean, there hasn't been a guy that's just stood out well above everybody else. It's been a it's been a good team effort all the way through. I would I would argue that if you ask Mike Berg who the star is, he would whip his Jonas Brodeen boner out and and show you who the star <laughs> is. But. Um, That's why I'm glad this is phone instead of video conferencing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good good idea. Next time we'll video. No, we we probably will never do that for the sake of our mothers who listen. Um, Doubles. What do you What do you like in out of out of these wins? Um, I mean, what more can you add to to what Mike and Seth um, put in there for for how well this team is playing these three games? Yeah, I think obviously Doobie has been huge, and uh, Saturday night in particular was a really good illustration of how goaltending can affect a game. So I would agree with the earlier point that the the Stars got a boatload of shots against the Wild, but they didn't have a ton of what I would consider to be like Grade A scoring chances. But um, they did, uh, you know, Doobie held up in the second period or the shot like 16 to 1 or some ridiculous mm-hmm. margin like that. And then in the third period, Dallas comes out pushing again. And, you know, uh, true to form for both teams, uh, Doobie withstands the early storm. And then Niederreiter uh, gets a goal like a fadeaway jump shot from the far <laughs> side of the face-off circle that no NHL goalie should be letting into the net. So it's just a really, really good example of how Doobie's goaltending kept his team in the game. And when that Niederreiter shot got by Lettman for a 2-0 wild lead, mm-hmm. you can see the air go out of the, go out of the stars. Um, so it kind of seems to be more of the same as far as Dallas's goaltending issues. But, uh, no, Doobie's been great. Um, I think the team, you know, the team defense has been fairly good. They haven't had 
they haven't given up a ton of good chances. Um, there has been a couple of couple of pipes. I know Dallas hit a couple of pipes in the first two periods against Doobie on Saturday. So um, Doobie just kind of has it all going right now. Um, I think Ryan Suter has been fantastic so far. Holy uh, shit! What did you just say? <laughs> I, I think Suter's been excellent so far. Um, right, right, right now, or, or Suter's going to listen to this later on, and he's going to do like a silent fist pump, like finally got doubles approval. Yes. Uh, I, I, High five, yeah. Leopold. I try to call it spade a spade, and we will make no Craig <laughs> Leopold Jr. jokes in this uh, particular particular <laughs> discussion. You know they're listening together. Yeah, oh, for sure. Doubles, Uncle Doubles. Undoubtedly, you know, uh, you know, Suter has this played in the. Uh, he has a shout out on his farm over the outdoor bowl speakers that he has that uh, Leopold somewhere from. So there's no doubt about that. <laughs> Uh, Leopold like uh, tanning, you know, nearby or something. No, <laughs> getting weird. I like it early in the show. So, so what what happened? I mean, like, did, Dallas is one of those teams. I, from my recent memory, anyway, kind of like St. Louis, where they typically try to take it to us physically in order to throw us off our game. Did that just not happen in this game? Is there any reason you guys can think of? Uh, why they were uh, well not seeming or not pushovers necessarily, but I mean a four zero pushover anyway. What do you think, Mike? That that's a really good question. I, I think the Wild really didn't get drawn into into a lot of um, tit for tat play in this game. Um, you know this. I remember in the Boston game, the, the Bruins were really going after Zucker uh, all game long, and finally Zucker just kind of came on hinge at the end of the game and, and took a dumb retaliatory penalty. And I didn't really see much of that the other night. I thought that overall they, they did a good job of just keeping their cool and not letting not getting drawn into you know those sorts of antics. Um, and I, I thought the, the defensive pairs were really good. Um, you, you brought up Jonas Brodin, Hannah, and Coleman. I looked at I did. Calls. They did. They were really good together. Um, so I, I think I think that was a big part of it. They, they just, you know, they they the PK was really good. Um, you know, they, they did take it a two man penalty, uh, you know, a few dumb things, but it wasn't anything really big. And, and they took zero penalties in the third period. Um, and that was really big. You know, they, they, they locked the game down at the end there. So they didn't take any penalties. And that's what you need at the end of the game. You know, you just need to, to keep um, playing your game and not um, not giving the other team free opportunities. And they, they, they did themselves a service in that respect. Any uh, Anything to add to that, uh, fellas? How about you, Seth? I forgot the question. <laughs> no, I, I, Mike has that effect on people. I, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I'm kind of stepping back here. I jotted down a couple of notes. I think the, the point that was made about, um, you know, what Dubnik's been doing, that wasn't just the Dallas game, but it was the Buffalo game too. I was driving home from like parent-teacher conferences or something, and I was white knuckling during the second period. I think it was one to nothing, and. <laughs> 
And was that because of the conferences, or no? <laughs> no, that was actually a better one than some of them have been. So that's good. But no, it was. I mean, I was listening to to the to the broadcast, and I mean, Dubnik must have given up a, or had about fifty-seven saves in that second period, and it was a close game. And then all of a sudden, he was able to just take off after that. I mean, then then like you said, the. The goal scoring eventually happens, and and then you know there's a little more confidence every time. And to me, that's the biggest thing. Um, but I, you know, I do think you know I think the penalty kill has been real good as well. Um, but again, you know, if Dubnik and the defense can kind of keep them from scoring, and and suddenly you can actually put up, like I said, 13 goals in three games. I mean, you'll take that anytime. Yep. And and usually if we put up th- 13 goals in three games, we usually give up 12 to 15. So uh, it's quite refreshing, I, I'm sure, to see that zero mark there too. Um, so doubles, is this the real team? I mean, we've we've seen a, a good amount of games so far. I mean, the Wild were doing well even before this recent three uh, shutout streak. Is this the real team? I mean, in, in other shows we've asked what kind of team are we going to expect out of a, a Boudreaux-coached team? Uh, are we seeing what we expected? Is, uh, is do we think that's kind of the reason why they're doing so well? I have no idea, Mace. Um, well, I, good. Thanks for answering. <laughs> I think uh, I, I hear people say that the Wild, you know, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna take them, take them some time to adjust to Boudreaux and his system. And I understand that, and I agree with that. But uh, after yep, seven they games, pretty adjusted. After seven games, or however many were into this, um, I have no idea what Bruce Boudreaux's system is. Um, just the same as watching Mike Yo's team for the last six years, I have no idea what his system was. So, if, uh, <laughs> if any of you guys can enlighten me as to as to what the system is. Um, that would be great, but I just I, well, I, I, go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the system is supposed to be either. But I mean, Seth, is it is it just too soon? I mean, double said it's been seven games. Uh, that's not a, a shit ton of games compared to the entire eighty-two game season. Is it is it too soon? What do you think? Well, it's probably probably a little too soon to draw any grand. Um, thoughts or you know impressions at this point uh just two things that come to mind first of all you look at the stats and no one's doing anything beyond what they're what we would think they're capable of i think everybody's playing well but nobody's doing so extraordinarily well that you could say that it's not sustainable and i mean to me that's encouraging i mean in fact there's probably a few guys that i think we would say have the capability of playing better and over over the course of the year you know, some guys are going to be down and some guys are going to be up. But like I said, there's nothing in the statistics other than the sheer number of goals, which probably isn't sustainable. But as far as, like, how players have played and the numbers they put up individually, I don't think there's anything that jumps out at saying that it's a fluke. But I guess to kind of temper that a little bit, you know, the, the Wild have six wins, and none of those six wins are against a team that currently is over 500. Um, you know, they've they've beaten up on... Uh, Toronto, the Kings, um, you know, even Dallas is under 500, and their their losses have been against uh, St. Louis and, and New Jersey, two teams that are above 500. Although the New Jersey game was on the road and it was in overtime, so um, 
you know, I I don't know that we can draw too much even from that, just because what do the records really necessarily mean at this point? But, you know, I guess to summarize my long-winded response, number one, nobody's playing so unsustainably good that it isn't something that we could uh, expect to keep seeing some of it. And But secondly, we have to temper that with the fact that they have that they've, uh, you know, taken advantage of a, a weak schedule, at least to start. Uh, all great points, Seth. I'll add two things. First of all, you're in the presence of doubles. There's nothing you can say that could be considered long-winded. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I forgot my second thing because I was so excited to give a rip on doubles. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so, Mike. That was what a good you, one. <laughs> all right, thanks. I'll take it. You uh, might say Mike, that over the phone, but you wouldn't say it by God standing in front of me. Yeah, we'd have a bro hug, and, you know, it'd be fine. So all, all of that would be fine. Uh, Mike, anything to add to that? Is this the, the, the real team that we expected out of Boudreaux uh, too soon or some other third thing? Well, one thing that I find very interesting, um, a couple of times the Wild have adjusted during an intermission, and Mike Russo on his blog will say something to the effect of, and for some reason, he seems to be asking Eric Stahl a lot. You know, he lost Eric Stahl. So the so did the coach Lloyd get up in the intermission. And in both times that he's asked him this, both times the response has been uh, essentially, well, yeah, we deserve it. Um, which it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what exactly do they mean by light? I mean, does that mean peeling the paint off the walls? screaming or is he, is he going in there and and just being straight with the players and saying this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you need to do better. Um you know, is is he if if he's being a screamer, then we have to ask ourselves how, how long is that gonna be sustainable? Um, you know, because screamers tend to be shelf life coaches. Um, you know, they they're they're gonna be good for so many uh games um, maybe maybe a season, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, but once they lose the locker room, it, they're done. They're they're not getting anywhere with the team. So that, that's that's one curiosity that I'm I'm kind of wondering right now. Um, and I I don't quite know if if you know which way that's going. If if um, Boudreau is is really you know just literally peeling the paint off the wall by screaming at him, or if he's if it's more measured and and just being realistic with, with what they're doing wrong and, and what they need to address. Did you say Do- figuratively did you say figuratively painting, peeling the paint off the walls? <laughs> literally. Metaphorically. Metaphor. Literally. Metaphysically. I, doubles I, I, I you go doubles. I, w- I want to hear what you what you think about uh, coaches that you see, like in, you know in your experience. Uh, and feel free to break into story time with doubles anytime here if something tickles your fancy. But when you see a coach going ballistic on the bench, something like that, like what are what are your impressions of it? And it, 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 is there any credence to what Mike said about uh, you know um, that kind of screaming coach being a, a shelf life coach? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely believe in the shelf life thing for sure, but I think that's more for your Tortorellas and your Mike Keenans 
you're just basic all around 24/7 miserable human beings. Um, <laughs> I I don't think that necessarily applies to Boudreaux, and I also don't think in this day and age in sports anymore that a coach can throw a fit in the locker room between periods and all of a sudden the players look at each other and go, oh, geez, coach is pissed. We better start playing. Coach is pissed. I don't think that happens anymore as much as I wish it It did. It happens in the movies, doubles. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Miracle was, that was quite a while ago. It it happens in in one movie, doubles. (laughs) I don't don't think Emilio Estevez got that pissed ever in the intermission. But I don't, yeah, so I don't, I don't think, I don't buy into, oh, coach lit us up between periods and that's all of a sudden why we started playing. Um, I mean, these guys are grown men. They make, you know, the lion's share of them make a hell of a lot more money than the coach does. So I don't think, <laughs> uh, I don't think in this day and age that the coaches having a tirade really has all that much effect on the players. Okay. I, you, no, no, no story time with doubles. Any, any uh, crazy coach stories? Come on, you gotta have something. Uh, well, eh? in the game, in the game I refed yesterday, I had a coach kind of go mental on me. I called a penalty because his player slashed the opposing goalie, and he didn't really care for that call. And I said, well, I said if the same thing happened on this end, on your end of the ice, you guys would be all over me. Penalty, and rightfully so, because you don't want your goalie slashed. And he goes, "Ah, point taken," and we were done. So, holy shit! It was like an amicable, ex- amicable exchange. It was. It was a breakthrough. I was fired up. <laughs> you guys like, you guys like high five afterwards. Yeah, like, we didn't want to. We waited until we were back to the locker room till we bro hugged it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I got I got nothing to add. I mean, you guys, uh, I, you know, that, that's the the personality I was thinking of as well. Uh, uh, Keenan, whatnot, uh, Captain Hook, and all that. Um, shit, did he ever coach anywhere longer than two years? Maybe New York, but um, yeah. I agree, and I, and I and I also agree that I don't, you know, I don't know anything about Boost Boudreau, but um, I feel that like he he has the ability to probably peel the paint, and we've seen some YouTube uh, some like uh, clutch YouTube kind of videos of him doing that, but kind of in a different way, as a you know, not like you assholes, what are you doing out there? More like you know, you assholes, you can do this kind of kind of way. And I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but uh, to me it, it seems different. So I, I totally agree, Doubles. Um, it, does seem, no. it does seem to be some something to this, though, even if it's just mental, because I, I agree that, I mean, here, here's my long time ago story. When I played high school football and you listen to the halftime or pregame coaches' chats or lectures or whatever they were, and you get all those dumb cliches that you hear all over the time. You know, you see some guys around there getting all pumped up, like, oh, we're going to go kick their butts, and then, and then you're sitting there going, okay, but this team's like number one in the state and we're terrible. 
you know. So I mean, it's like you got to be able to read through coach speak in the locker room. But it, but I, I guess my point is that you know some people will take that for what it is as as a motivation attempt, and others will actually be motivated by it. Um, I think the other part, you know, the change from Yo to uh, Boudreaux. I, you know, I don't know enough about these guys, their backgrounds, but. You know, you look at another couple of situations that relates to Minnesota sports. I mean, the the Vikings went from Mike, Mike Tice, who was considered an ultimate players coach, to a guy in Brad Childress, who was more of an authoritarian, hard-nosed type of guy. And then they got tired of that, so they went to Leslie Frazier, who was totally a players coach, and some people considered him maybe even soft. So who did they go to after that? They went to Mike Zimmer, who was a loud, no-nonsense, uh, not afraid to yell uh, coach as well. So, I mean, even if it's not factual, if enough people on a team buy into it, that's really what matters. It's like when the Twins uh, were getting rid of Ron Gardenhire. It's not like he knew less about baseball um, and was a worse manager than he had been when the Twins kept going to the playoffs. But clearly a new voice was needed. Um, you know, Molitor had the one good year and Tory Hunter was in the clubhouse maybe and some get some credit for that. But I think sometimes just a change is needed and and uh clearly Mike Yo had lost some of the stars and you know, I don't know all the details with behind that last year, but that was something. Clearly they just needed a change and I thought it was a great point you made earlier. You know, Mike Yo is probably gonna be a better coach in Saint Louis if he's got better players. So I mean, um, you know, it's it's all about situations and the coach can only uh, coach as well. It's like watching the Vikings game tonight and, you know, thinking that the offensive line coach is suddenly going to be able to make the offensive <laughs> linemen themselves better. I mean, you can only, um, you know, you can't make chicken soup out of chicken poop, you know, so it kind of is what it is, no matter how good the coach is. That's fantastic. So uh, I, I want to get a little deeper on that because I, I, I completely agree. Like, if you're talking about the roster, you got one type of coach, it doesn't work. You kind of go to the, you know, opposite. You you go to the extreme for the next one, right? Um, I think it goes even further beyond the roster, though. Uh, anybody else? Like, I I think it's a fan base thing too. Um, oh look, we tried it. We, we tried it with a uh, with the players' coach, and uh, they shat the bed. And now, oh, but this time though, we're gonna get we're gonna get a hard nosed coach, and he'll whip this bunch of assholes into shape. Um, is there anything in that? I mean, we it seemed like we kind of made the the, uh, the mistake of after Todd Richards of going to uh, another new coach who was, you know, more psychoanalytical than anything else. I mean, in in intermissions, he was probably in there just trying to reaffirm them more more than trying to peel the paint, like we've seen a little bit with with Boudreaux. Um, is it more? Is it more than just the roster? Or is it kind of fan gesturing to to bring in a different kind of coach after the last type failed? Mike, any, you know, anything to add to that? Was 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 well, Yo? How how different of a coach is Yo to to Boudreaux? Does it fall into that kind of formula? I agree with you that Yo, I think, is very analytical, and Boudreaux is is, is a little more touchy feely, and and I, I, yeah, that's just my completely unfounded observation of him. Um, you know, I I just think he's more. Boudreaux, that is, more um, kind of goes by his gut and 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 does it that way, where he 
Yeah, he'll just kind of get a sense of how the game is going and, and talk to the players and, and tell them what they need to hear as far as we'll do this a little bit differently. Um, or, you know, motivationally speaking, he can, he can get something out of the players, whereas Yo was like, all right, we're going to make this change where, you know, instead of the, instead of the right defenseman, you know, going a little bit towards Sarah's, uh, when the, on their breakout, I want to do a little bit closer to the boards on, the, on their breakouts, and that will change the game. Um you know, you know, doing that, you know, he'd get a home run every, you know, maybe four times a year doing that, that kind of adjustment. Whereas I think Boudreaux is, is more just um, going with his gut about who's playing well and he's going to combine those players. You know, we've seen him with some real uh, varsity level um, line shuffling that we've not seen since uh, Jacques Lemaire. So I think that's one thing that we're getting out of Boudreau, uh, as well as um, really just kind of hold, holding steady as far as the, the strategy of the game and the tactics they're using and just more motivation uh, in the locker room. Um, one thing that I do think is in play here is last year um, we heard some of the players um, expressing some disappointment when the Wild didn't get Ryan Johansson in a trade. And there was some talk about, well, why don't we go out and get a number one center? Um, I'm not saying Eric Stahl is that number one center, but when the top two centers are Nico Koivu and Eric Stahl, I think that is a significant (laughs) upgrade over Nico Koivu and Mikhail Granlund. I love Granlund, but he's better on the wing. I love Charlie Coyle, but he's better as a winger. Um, And I think that making that adjustment from a roster perspective – I, I think that there's some psychology going on there where, you know, the Wild went out, they, they signed a former number one center, a former captain that led his team to the Stanley Cup, um, you know, may have lost a step in the, in the intervening years, but he's still, um, I think there's, he, he's still, you know, the number one, number two center uh, and on a lot of teams. And I think that that's playing a role here where, you know, some of the players on the team feel, okay, we're great now that they they went and they got us the number one center we were looking for. So, so Seth, um, that comment I had about doubles and, and long-winded and whatnot, it, as you can see, it kind of sometimes <laughs> extends to Mike. <laughs> I, I, I fully I understand. I think it was a question about, like, the media or something. I hope our producer edits out your dig on me about being long-winded after that virgin fell about yeah. Holy Christ. Yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll fix it in the talk show post-production, you know, editing. There, there's no – it just goes right to production. Really noted. It's, <laughs> um, so I was going to ask what's grinding Mike Gears, but we just heard it. Um, duly noted. Uh, agreed. Well, let's, let's agreed. On grinding Mike's gears. Let's let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, You've Mike. Been what's muted. Grinding... <laughs> you have been muted. Um, <laughs> doubles. Doubles. Um, anything to add to any of the shit that Mike just spewed out? I mean, I tried. I I lost. Um, I, I lost it after a minute there trying to take notes. Also, yeah. I wasn't trying to take notes. Yeah, I think I, I I missed about the last 45 minutes of that. But uh, <laughs> what what came to my mind was uh, last week on the radio, I actually heard Mike Greenlay make a 
good, valid point. And the noteworthy part about that was Mike Greenley actually making a good, valid point. Yeah. And that, <laughs> uh, as it relates to Yo and Boudreaux, um, Greenley said a week after he had been dismissed, Yo came out and said, I, I know what I'm going to do differently next time. A week after I'm done here. Whereas, you know, Boudreaux, this is his third NHL coaching gig, I believe. And, you know, he, he's already got his formula, his template, whatever you call it. And he's already applied, you know, he's already learned those lessons and applied them. And that's part of his program. So I think, um, you know, there might be some benefit. You know, that that's probably what the benefit of having experienced coaches. And I think I think that could benefit. Sure, I mean we we in theory we know what we hired out of Boudreaux. The thing that we've talked about a couple of times, and Seth, I'll go I'll go to you for your your thoughts on this though. Is yeah, we uh, like like Doubles just said, Boudreaux's got his thing down, right? So what if his thing doesn't jive with our roster? Uh, anything you're seeing so far, Seth, where we should be worried about that? Or I mean, obviously these these seven games have been pretty good. Um, is it, can Boudreaux change if things go south? And when I when I say if, I mean when they go south in January, like we usually see. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. You know, number one, he's been around a long time, and clearly he keeps getting jobs. I would think because he not only is successful, but he's a good coach, which typically means he best knows how to utilize his players. I mean, in my mind, that's the biggest thing any coach for any sport can do is look at the talent on the roster and adjust to that talent as opposed to making the talent adjust to what he does well as a coach. Now, obviously there's some middle ground there because, you know, like, and I don't know what that all means as we were talking about earlier, but, you know, there's systems, but at the same time, putting the right players into the right places uh, to me is more important. So, you know, he's got talent. I think we can all agree that the, Wild does have some talent, so it's it's how do how do they best you know which which involves what I mean you know as a non big hockey guy to me that's you know figuring out who to put on lines together who to you know have on the special teams together um, and then how that all works out. But of course, at the end of the day, it all comes down to how good your goalie is. So you know yeah. a lot of Boudreaux's success at this point is going to depend on Devin Dubnik for sure. Yep, and yeah, and uh, hopefully he's the answer to that because I think those kind of those kind of chemistry chemistry questions are unfortunately shit that we've talked about far too often over the last many years and many coaches uh, on this show um, for all, all those five listeners who have um, kind of stuck through it with us. <laughs> uh, so I think fantastic conversations here. Let's uh let's go around the horn for for final thoughts and Berg you've I've been painfully silent for last uh, couple minutes here so Berg what are your what are your final thoughts tonight? Um, hockey fights cancer has recently started and uh, cancer is something that regrettably has has played a big role in my life. Um, I, I lost two people very close to me. Cancer. I know um, a couple of cancer survivors personally. Uh, one of my neighbors lost someone very close to them to cancer. Um, hockey plays cancer is, you know, 
it's one of those things where you can look at it objectively and you say, you, you kind of know what it's about. Uh, it's, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's not, it's not about, um, it's not like the NHL is going to fund a cure. They're going to give a little bit of money to it. That's great. Um, large part of it's going to be about a, you know, marketing and, and that's fine. Um, but it's still, I, I still appreciate the fact that, that they're willing to, to give a nod to that. Um, so, so that's my final thought for, for tonight. And uh, check Wild Extra. I'll have a little bit more about that uh, later this week. Yeah, for sure. The the Anderson stuff going around. Um, it, there was a moment today where I'm scrolling through Twitter at work and seeing all the Anderson uh, hockey fights cancer stuff. It was just like, it's getting a little too dusty at work and on the Twitter <laughs> scroll, so I'm going to put this down and actually work for a little bit. Completely agreed. Uh, well said. Um, doubles, your final thoughts. Um, my final thought also revolves around Craig Anderson and uh, the scene Sunday night in Ottawa. I've never or in Edmonton as Ottawa shut out the Edmonton Oilers in Craig Anderson's first game back since his return from uh, being by his wife's side through her cancer diagnosis. And uh, as a cancer survivor myself, and I also lost my mom to cancer. Um, obviously, it's uh, had a huge impact on my life. And that moment in Edmonton uh, was really, really cool to see. And I would encourage anyone to check out the Ottawa Senators' uh, Twitter feed. Um, some really cool comments and some videos from there. But... Uh, one of the neatest things that I saw on that was when they announced the three stars. Um, Edmonton's Cam Talbot, Edmonton's goalie Cam Talbot was the number two star, and they announced him, and he came out and did his little spin in front of the hometown fans, and he stayed out. He didn't go back in the tunnel, and he wasn't on the ice, but he stayed out behind the boards and waited for Craig Anderson to be announced as the number one star and had his helmet off and was openly applauding uh, Craig Anderson's effort that night in just a almost a surreal moment. Um, really neat thing, and not something that you see every day in sports, uh, especially with all the anti-cancer propaganda that all of the leagues are ramming out our throats right now. This was just a genuinely organic moment and uh really cool to see absolutely uh real touching moment by by talbot there uh seth we'll go over to you for final thoughts as well your your first show here and for your final thought you, you certainly don't have to go uh um you know very heavy subjects like mike and doubles just did oh. so feel free <laughs> yeah final i need to be prepped a little bit man Let's bring this ship around Holy wow! Yeah, I don't want to follow that. First of all, I, I mean I agree with everything they said, but uh, wow! Now I just sound like a jerk talking about anything that's not as important in real life. But uh, talk about baseball. No, just, yeah, <laughs> let me just uh, you know I, I appreciate you guys having me on. You know I'm not a great hockey mind by any means. I'm trying to pick it up yes. where I do live in in Hockey Town, USA. But uh, you know, like I said, more of a baseball background, but. You know, I think uh, what you guys are doing at Wild Extras is, is really good work, and I enjoy being on the podcast. And 
Um, as far as you know, our work at Twins Daily on the off season, it slows down a little bit, but we uh, just finished up our off season GM handbook, which is kind of a guide for Twins fans to to what happens and all the options and opportunities for the Twins in the off season and kind of a primer type of a thing. So that'll be available as soon as the World Series is done, which could be Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> so we're kind of excited about that. And and then no more baseball until mid-February when spring training starts. So that that's a little tough on us baseball guys, which is why I need I need the Wild to be good. I need them to give me reason to watch every game as many as I can, you know, so that I can get smarter. And, and uh, next time you guys have me on, I'll hopefully contribute a little bit more uh, – intelligently but i do appreciate you guys having me on and and uh you know thanks again i, I appreciate it yeah welcome guest yeah and um, Absolutely. you guys always you guys always do uh have a a nice package there for the for the off season and and the preseason stuff so and, and yes um that was an obvious package joke but um i'm going to go even a little bit further <laughs> further away uh, from my final thoughts. Uh, it, this has just been the most surreal kind of sports season for me personally, uh, hosting hosting a, a wild podcast, not watching any wild games. That's just bizarre enough, right? But I've watched more football than I ever have in a decade. I've watched, you know, more baseball than I have in a, a decade. And I, and I just mean the World Series so far. So those, you know, six games probably doubled my, my record uh, recently. <laughs> Um, but also uh, my bit, my real my real final thought here is uh, uh, this Saturday night or last Saturday night um, the Minnesota United wrapped up their their season. Unfortunately, they were not able to pull out the uh, victory to 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 get into the playoffs. But uh, yeah, it was a a good season just uh, for for all the hype going into the MLS uh, starting next season at TCF Bank Stadium. Looking forward to that uh, in, incredibly, just so that I don't have to ever go to Blaine again anytime soon. But um, it's going to be a fantastic time uh, out in Minneapolis slash St. Paul at 94 and Snelling for the uh, the the, uh, the arena in a couple years. But next next season certainly for for TCF Bank Stadium. So uh, hearts go out to them for their their uh, their their loss and uh, their their end of their season. Pretty pretty awesome what they do up in uh, up in Blaine when. Even after a, a loss like that, uh, which was a, a you know a good loss, if you want to use a horrible phrase like that, uh, uh, aside from the ball going in the net, it wasn't uh, any fault of their own for not for not winning against the best team in the uh, in the ASL. Uh, but you know they always come down to the corner and the supporters uh, section and have a couple beers with people and sing along in the chants and you could see it in their eyes uh what kind of a disappointment it was uh for for losing that like that so a lot of a lot of guys cheering up uh in the in the corner there so big ups to united uh we'll see you we'll see them uh next year at in in Minneapolis it's going to be fantastic might i add that TCF Bank Stadium is just down the street from Surly so you know that's good for for us who who like to ride out there and then <laughs> have a lot of beers afterwards and beforehand so I uh, hope to see. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring doubles to a soccer game once just to record his entire reaction to having to watch soccer. It's gonna be great. Open invite doubles. He's speechless. He can't. Even, he doesn't even know what to say to that. So I'll take that as a hint. So uh, I want to thank the two. I don't know why you got <laughs> so Seth, long-winded, also extends to me at, at times too. So uh, <laughs> great. 
to bring it full circle there, I want to thank the crew that joined me here tonight on the Five Minute Major. That's doubles. Say say good night, doubles. Thanks for coming. I I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anytime. (laughs) That was Seth, and then of course Mike Berg as well. So for the Five Minute Major, this is Mason signing off. Thanks for listening, and have a great night. What is that? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.